afternoon, universe, and welcome to another episode of Cross Defense, your weekly dose of worldview demolition, where we break down the strongholds of bad opinions and set up shop with the mighty fortress of our Lord's Word. I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, and we will continue this afternoon studying Christian dogma, believing that when God speaks, he does so in order that we would speak back to him, as St. Paul encourages all Christians to hunger for the truth, to guard your life and your doctrine closely, because there will come a time and it's really already here, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. That is with truth. They won't put up with truth. But instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather together teachers who would teach what their itching ears are longing to hear instead. But that's not Christianity. You, Christian, St. Paul tells us, must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. And he then goes on to add, and so encourage others. Because it is in these words that we find our encouragement. It is in these words that we find our hope. It is in these words that our faith is, in fact, as St. Paul told us in church yesterday, uh, our faith is created, sustained, retained, maintained, that you are called, gathered, enlightened by the Spirit, all that good stuff. To help me today, working through a little bit more of Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics, we have on the line Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. He is pastor at uh, senior pastor at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, as well as author of a recent book from Concordia Publishing House called Has American Christianity Failed? And we also have Pastor Adam DeGroote, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, domestic missionary, having served in various places such as Philadelphia, but uh, moving, moving to some new areas in the near future as well. Uh, one of the sharpest minds I know out there and looking forward to talking to both of you gentlemen today about theologios, uh, theology, and this word that it gets a bad name sometimes, but really maybe we should we should think twice before we throw it away. But first, gentlemen, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing all right? Great. Yeah, good. doing very well. Thank you, Jonathan. Good. Glad, glad to hear that from both of you, and it's good to hear your voices. So we're going to just dive right in, and, and we might have to make a little hay out of this, because in one sense, the section is not in, in, tremendously deep. It's going to get deeper in the in the section we're going to look at next week. But Peeper, he really just wants to establish this word first and foremost, this idea of theology, which I think before we even really kind of to kind of get into there, you guys have to have heard this before, right? You you've been somewhere where maybe it's a a conference with pastors, maybe it's a conference with a lady, I don't know. Maybe it's a circuit winkle, maybe it's a voters assembly, maybe it's a, a synodical convention, and someone stands up. And they maybe even have a caller on, and they say, well, I'm no theologian. And you know that the next thing, right, right? You know the next thing coming to their mouth is the word but, and they're about to then do some theologizing, but what they mean is I'm going to disagree with everything that we believe, teach, and confess. Have you ever caught that? I mean, what, what's going on there? There, there is this, um, uh, there's kind of a way that we despise, and, and there's a good and a bad to this, that we despise the professional theologian. In other words, we despise the theological expert. And I'm sympathetic to this because I think in some ways it's healthy to despise the expert class altogether, the idea that there's some sort of uh, secret knowledge that you have to go and study for years and years and years to obtain, and then you use that secret knowledge to put everyone in subjection to you. You know, We see this especially in our day with the scientists. You know, um, the people say, uh, I, I said something the other day and someone said, well, you're obviously not a scientist. Well, of course I'm not a scientist. But what do they mean by that is that because you do not have this uh, kind of advanced uh, study of science, that you are not allowed to talk about a certain sort of thing. And there's a danger that we use the word theologian in that sense, and we would want to rightly reject it. We would want to say, look, 
uh, theology belongs to the entire Christian Church. It's put forth in the Scripture, and it is the common possession of every Christian household. That that that's a right view. Uh, but then on the wrong side of of what you're saying is there, there there's a way that we become kind of anti-intellectual altogether. That our own thinking about Christ and His Church and His truth uh, becomes a very subjective and emotional sort of thing. And against that, we have to say no, no. The Lord gives us the gift of theology, the gift of doctrine, the gift of teaching, and we should not only work hard to preserve it, but we should also rejoice in that as well. Yeah, and to that point too, Brian, and I, I think you bring up some very good points. Is that you know I've I've seen it used in, in many cases where it's almost a it's a pretext to, to sort of guard against um, where there may be the possibility for for error and or even uh, the, the people are maybe not so sure of what it is they're actually going to be saying. Um, as, as they're going in. And, and, um, and thirdly, uh, maybe uh, along the lines of your first point, being able to say, uh, well, I really am no expert, but then going on to pontificate as if they were an expert in whatever it happens to be. Um, and lastly, um, the, the ability to discern the distinctions between the two points that you, you made up is, is exceedingly difficult in being able to rightly articulate what needs to be said. Uh, in a particular context. It's it's kind of weird. It's like, well, I don't have anything of value to say, and for that reason, you should listen to what I say more, right? <laughs> it, it's like this really strange kind of uh, a, a twisting of things, and I think the anti-intellectualism that Pastor Wolfmuller uh, mentioned there, uh, the, the the using it as a, as a pretext, as Pastor DeGroote said there, there's this strange spiritual communism, right? That, that, that somehow we're going to be in this worker's paradise of us all knowing God by not knowing anything. But then, but then this is like Luther says this about the enthusiasts. You know, they say, I don't need God's word, but the spirit comes to me directly and let they keep yammering and talking all over the place because they can't share their ideas without words. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, you, uh, the, the word theology is a, is built on two root words, theos meaning God and logos, which means word or report or thing or receipt or reason or who knows, all that kind of stuff. And so you have a, uh, so you have to, so that um, it's going to come down to words about God. There's no way around this, that that we're going to have words both from God and words about God, which means that there is going to be a theology, even for a person that doesn't believe in God, that or the articulation of their unbelief is going to be for them a theology. So it's everywhere, absolutely everywhere. So it's, this that, that gets us to where Pieper picks up then on page forty-one in section eight under Christian theology. He says, "The it's, it's funny here. It's a it's a bigger and less known word. The etymology of theology uh, is not doubtful. Etymology is the study of or words about words. Right? Where where do words come from? One of my favorite kind of silly." pastimes, my nerdy things, but the etymology of theology, where the word theology comes from is not doubtful, as is the case with the term religion, although I hear people arguing about what that word means all the time, I suppose. But the the original meaning of theologia, it's a Greek word, is clearly, as you said, Pastor Wolfmuller, logos, logos, word or understanding or idea, and then uh, concerning theu or theos, concerning God. But then he, he says here, and maybe you guys can shed some light on this for me, that next sentence, he says, theology denotes in its subjective sense the knowledge of God and of divine matters. In its objective sense, it denotes or designates the doctrine of God. Do either of you know what he's getting at there with that distinction? 
Brian, I'm hoping you're, you're, you'll be able to, and as you know, Pastor Fisk, as you were talking about this being um, you know, something that was maybe not as heavily intellectual as what we'll see in the coming weeks, um, you know, it's a, a little unclear, but from what I guess I'm understanding is that the subjective is just simply something that we would be able to have as a specific uh, theology, in other words, the, the teachings of, of the Church and what it is that we believe, teach, and confess, whereas the objective is something that, you know, all of us would be able to speak of of God in some particular way. Um, and I, it's a cursory understanding of that, and Pastor Wolfmuller, certainly I think you could probably articulate more on that. Yeah, I think that we have this here the same distinction when we uh, talk about the, the fetus quae and fetus qua. You know, the, the old theologians talk about the faith that is believed and the faith that believes— so there's the doctrine that is believed, and then there is the, in fact, trust of the heart which believes that doctrine. So the same thing's going on here. There is the subjective knowledge of God, which where I can say, I, Brian Wolfmuller, I know Jesus. I know the Holy Spirit. I know God the Father, because he baptized me, and this Sunday he forgave my sins, and he speaks to me in his word, and I hear his voice, and I, be- and I believe it. So there is the um, subjective or individual knowing of God, and then there is the objective, that is, that there is the body of doctrine that I know that is spoken in the Scriptures. I I suppose it would be the difference between saying, um, I know Jonathan Fisk, and I know of Jonathan Fisk. I can read your bio on the Internet, I can uh, study your history, I can listen to your words there, but then I I can talk to you on the phone. That's the difference between the objective knowledge of Fisk and the subjective knowledge of Fisk. And the same thing is true for theology. But there's a place so there's an objective doctrine. There's a place a where these things kind of like come together, though, right? Like they, they really need each other. And so as you're talking about this, and I'm looking at, it, I wonder how connected this is to a a divisive phrase that also gets banted around a bit that, that I'm spiritual but not religious. And I'm wondering if if this isn't saying that there is a spiritual theology and a religious theology. That is, there is a a knowledge of God in which, as you say, Pastor Wolf Miller, you know, I know him. He engages me. There is, in fact, a relationship. And then there is uh, the, the means by which that relationship takes place, these doctrines, these truths which are spoken. But it's not like there's a, a, a wall between these two things either. They are very much connected to each other. I can't know who God is without knowing of God or receiving the things that declare who God is to me. I mean, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. It's, um, th- that's one of the problems with that phrase, I'm spiritual but not religious, is it wants to drive a wedge between the objective and subjective knowledge of God. And it does a lot of other things, and in fact, is a lot worse. But just in this context, it certainly does that. It says that um, uh, it's not about a body of doctrine, or it's not about a truth, it's just about my own experiences. And what people are saying is that theology must be both subjective and objective. You, right. you could say everything right about God. But if you don't have faith that that God is, in fact, God for you, you, it doesn't do you any good. Even the devils know that Jesus died on the cross, but it doesn't help them at all. Uh, and, and yet you can have a, a kind of a subjective knowledge of God, but if it's not filled with the truth of how God reveals himself to us in the Scriptures, that also is going to lead you down a very dangerous uh, path. So the two always have to belong together. We can't ever set them against each other. Sure, and right, and, and you know, and having you know, having uh, you know, not knowing what the object of your faith is too, and I think you're talking about that is that you know, you you, you then find that your faith is is unfounded in a Jesus that's not written of in the scriptures, 
um, and, and you end up uh, filled with, as we heard last week on last week's show, you know, with all sorts of things, you know, despair and hopelessness and, 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 and nothing really good. So then he says, he gives us one more sentence to, to get back to etymology, and he, he does love his 50-cent terms. Analogous terms are psychology, physiology, biology, astrology, right? All of these things are words about something, all of these various sciences. And it used to be that, that even theology was sort of considered a, a science or the queen of the sciences. That may or may not have been helpful, but at least it was treated in a sense where there was something we could know about God. And, and we've really fallen to a place where I think the average person on the street wouldn't wouldn't say I'm no theologian because they wouldn't even know to say it, but they really don't believe they are theologians in any way. And I think there's this other side to this issue where we're all theologians. We are all knowers of a God or of many gods or of kind of gods or of things that we consider spiritual or things we consider supernatural, even if it's something as simple as random chance, right? That I can believe that random chance brought everything into being and gave me my reason and my eyes and my ears and all, all my senses and still takes care of them, right? I, I, I have a theology at that point, even if I don't acknowledge Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, to be at the heart of that. Yeah, and, and, and I think about it at the end is that, you know, I think it goes back to the first uh, instance that you gave is that uh, when you say I'm not a theologian, you know, bringing it into the context is that, well, no, you, you bring up the point, Pastor Fisk, and saying, no, we are. And unfortunately, what's happening so often is that, you know, the, the I'm religious but not spiritual group is, is really, they are theologizing about, a, a, about a, a God in a certain sense, that God just happens to be themselves and or their own understanding of their experience or their opinions or their uh, whatever it happens to be. And, you know, and, and, and we all, in, in certain senses, I guess, can be experts uh, in ourselves. Um, but I think there, the, the fear that comes from or maybe the, the daunting um, thought of going and entering into uh, the revelation of who Almighty and Eternal God is um, can be very, very scary uh, at first. Well, I think it's, it's inhibited by, I mean, we've kind of had two edges to this thing here. See if I, can, if I can bring it back. You have on the one hand the theologians in their white towers speaking their big terms about God, which which can be truth or falsehood in, in, in still not be a good thing. And then you have like the reaction to that on the pop level, which is, well, I'm no theologian. I'm not one of them, but I've still got some sort of spirituality or some sort of understanding about God. And the word theology in both cases is being abused or, or taken away from its real ultimate value, which is that in the person— Jesus Christ, in his words and according to his works, we have a definitive, definitive knowledge of who God actually is. Like, whether there's this revelation. This is not actually subjective. This is a fact of history that does have an experiential result upon us, that it puts us back into a, a relationship with God that is founded on knowing him. Yeah? Right. No, that's exactly right. I mean, there... Um Pieper has been talking about this kind of gloriously all through his book, is that everything that we do in theology and in the Church is built on God's own self-revelation. So we are not making this stuff up. We're not going to guess about God. We are, in fact, looking to see what God says about himself to us, his people, and, and based on that, uh, we are um, making definitive and um, uh, comforting conclusions uh, about who God is. But the But the purpose of theology is not is not to know 
um, just to, to kind of collect facts or truths about God, but rather the, the objective, in fact, uh, leads to the subjective and pushes all the way to faith, which is our salvation. I'm gonna get so per- Jesus says, this is, to, this is life, to know you, the one true God, and the Son who you sent. I, I'm going to get personal on this, then, with what you just said, Pastor Wolf Miller, and then you respond, and then Groot can chime back in again. So, like, if someone gets up in a pulpit to preach, right, they can they can kind of, like, give you a bunch of really neat, trivial facts about what the text says and how interesting all these little pieces are. But at a certain point, that may not be preaching at all, right? So I, I can talk about how the apostles, when they're in the in the boat, in, in it was the text yesterday again, and, and being tossed to and fro about the waves. I can talk about the length of the boat, and I can talk about the winds that come off of the the north, uh, the northeast, and hit Galilee and make such a such a conundrum. I can talk about how the Hebrew peoples had a, a, a mystical view of demons, and so that they see this ghost upon the waters and they think it's Jesus. All of that's like great, and it's true, but at some point it may not do anything unless what? What what happens next? What needs to be there? Well, people will break it out and say that there's there's uh, three things, in fact. There's, there's a knowledge, and then there's an assent and trust, so that I can know these things, but then do I agree that they're true, and then do I know that they're true for me? Uh, you know, it's the difference between saying, uh, so uh, something like this, the Bible teaches that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, that's just an objective fact that anyone looking at the doctrine could say, okay, that's true. I mean, there's arguments about it, but that's fine. It's true that the Bible says that. But do I agree that that's what the Bible, that that is true, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? That's a sense. And then finally, do I, uh, do I in fact trust that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, give, uh, that each person gives himself to me as my creator, redeemer, and sanctifier, to rescue me. Now, that's, that's where the thing is different. So it, the, the goal of theology is not just to know about God, but in fact to know God as our Savior and our friend. Pastor DeGroote, before we go to break, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, thinking what precedes that as well is that, you know, early on uh, out of seminary is that, you know, there were a number, not a number of times, there was one time a woman had come up to me and she had said, you know, it was great that you were preaching, uh, you know, uh, about the law and, and the tenets of what the Ten Commandments were saying. Um, and you, you had me really almost to the point where I was starting to get to the point where I was to fall to my knees in repentance, but then you let me off the hook. Um, and and to be able to then drive it home and to understand that you know that the, the 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 knowledge of the law, the knowledge of what we're supposed to do, and and those sorts of things, but then revealing really honestly that we have failed to do these things, then opens the the, the door for what it is that Pastor Wolfmuller is is talking about. That just you know that it, it ushers in the 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 true um, the true subjective and personal. Um, gifts that are given to us through Jesus Christ in his church. We live in days when Christians will say, what good is theology? They're saying, what good is it to know God? What a strange time. Cross Defense coming back. Worldwide KFUO is faithful to the Holy Scriptures. Our talk programs, music programs, and worship services focus on the message of salvation through Christ. Generations of families have confidence in KFUO to proclaim a clear, unwavering message of Christ crucified for sins. Faithful, scriptural, Lutheran. 
We are Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Human trafficking is modern-day slavery, and it happens in our own communities. Victims can be any gender, age, or race. Join the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign to learn how to recognize and report this heinous crime. Visit our website at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. That's www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. Your second look could be their second chance. Three things make a believer. Oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Prayer, meditation, and growth. Which is why every weekday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. we bring you Orazio, an hour of solace, contemplation, scripture, sacred music, and faith. Orazio, the dawn breaks with prayer every morning on Worldwide KFUO. Concord Matters is a show seeking agreement in Christian confession. I'm Pastor Charles Henriksen, one of the hosts of Concord Matters, heard on Worldwide KFUO each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central and a repeat on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. We take an in-depth look at the Book of Concord with some fine Lutheran theologians. Concord Matters, live on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. You're listening to Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO. Pastor Jonathan Fisk talking with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller and Pastor Adam DeGroot about theology. And it's hard for me not to get a little distracted here. I've got a number of questions I jotted down as you guys were talking there. And one of them is what I said there at the end then. So, so we literally have come to a place in which Christians feel like they can say, we don't need the knowledge of God. And I don't know if they know that's what they're saying, but when they when they say, you know, I, I'm not, I don't need to be a theologian, that's effectively what they're getting at. And then I wonder how much of this is the scholastic problem, Pastor Wolfman, you kind of started us off by, by talking about way back at the start of the show, that we have these 50 cent terms, right? That how much does this knowledge of the knowledge of God or the way we talk about the knowledge of God get in the way of the subjective knowledge of God. And yet there will be some who will say, well, therefore we should get rid of all of these 50 cent terms. Why talk about theology? Let's just talk about the knowledge of God. And I'm not sure I'm ready to go there either. I think there's some value to these terms we can agree on that have stood the test of time. And then ultimately, my my third question here, and really either of you guys jump in uh, when I finish, how do I know that what is being said of God is for me after all? I was kind of at pains. I got to preach somewhere yesterday, and I was at pains to try to bring this across that Paul's point in talking about election in Romans chapter 10 and how we know if we, or how how will they know if they do not hear, his point is to convince them that in the midst of his discussion of election, that they are elect. But how does that happen? It it doesn't happen with a bullet point presentation and a Venn diagram. Right, and I think you know how 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 we can know these particular things is, is as people have been talking about you know to this point in in volume one is that you know the, the scriptures are revealing these things to us. These things are written for us. John talks about this in his gospel. These things are written that we might believe that Jesus is Jesus is the Christ, and then later also he talks about it in the sense that that there's there is there is a man 
man who was sent to be able to bestow these things and uh, one who was given to give these gifts directly to the people. And it's not just giving these gifts as a subjective, you know, this idea that, that they're out there somehow to be, to be accessed, but these things are actually being delivered to your ear by virtue of the word, into your mouth through the body and blood of Christ, and given and, and, and actually poured upon you through the waters of baptism. And, and these things are, 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 are very intimate um, and, and very, very personal, um, and given each to us individually, although they are given as the means or the very marks of the Church itself, they're given personally for each of us to receive um, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I totally agree, but I feel like that's just the furthest thing from the average, even Lutheran, faithful Lutheran's mind, that theology is the taste of bread and wine on my lips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's what it should be. But, it, you know, we, have, we drive this wedge between what we call the—you you even hear people talk about the head knowledge versus the heart knowledge. Yeah. Uh, we try to pit together the knowledge of God— from the love of God, and people, and 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 for whatever reason, not, uh, it's theology people put in the realm of head knowledge, and uh, and they and they see the scriptures warning about you know knowledge, love uh, serves but knowledge puffs up this kind of thing, and so uh, they they take those warnings there and they kind of they go crazy with them so that theology, the the formal study of the of the doctrine of the scriptures. And the doctrine that God, of God, as He reveals Himself to us, has a distaste for them. But I think the right question to ask then is: Well, if uh, if you don't want to be a theologian, if you just want to, you know, feel instead of think, or if you want to love God with your heart but not with your mind, what part of the Scriptures are you going to be willing to not hold to? What what doctrine that God, what words that God has spoken, are you going to ignore? And and really, when we when we're doing theology right, it's, it's binding together a knowledge of God and a love of God uh, right next to each other. So that the reason why we pay attention so carefully to the words that Jesus speaks is because they are being spoken by the one who loves us and died for us. So that it's, it's, a, it's motivated, in fact, out of a love of God to cling to, the, to, to every syllable, every letter that he spoke. Now, you used a phrase there a moment ago, Pastor Wolf-Miller, and I'd kind of like to expand on it. I don't know that I have a problem with it, but I'm not sure where this phrase came from, doing theology. I mean, where did that come from, and what does that mean? And both you guys thought, what, is, what are we talking about when we say it's a verb now? <laughs> Theologizing. People will talk about that, but I don't think he actually, now that I think about it, he ever uses it in a good way. He talks about the theologizing self, right? <laughs> or, uh, you know, so that... Um, it's a kind of human-centered activity. Maybe it is a word to, uh, to caution with. I'm not sure where I picked it up. I, mean, I think I heard I've... Uh, Pastor DeGroote say it. Yes, right, that's right. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah. I've used it before, too, So, I, and I don't know that it's wrong. It's just like it just struck me. DeGroote, you got a thought? Well, you know, I mean, it, you know, and I think about it, too, as, as Pastor Wolfmuller was talking about it, is that, you know, I mean, in the end, you know, we're looking at it and saying, okay, you, you know, Objectively, we can talk about you know theology in, in, in the sense that it's 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 broad and it's big. And, and the, the original question you would ask Pastor Fisk is, you know, the words that were that are that are being ascribed and used, which are fifty cent words, or or, or you know, they're there to, to to help us to be able to understand. And and even utilizing those words allows for the the, the actual 
sent ones, the pastors, the opportunity to teach and to and to have these people uh, in our congregations learn what it is that the, is really the beauty of of how we speak about God. Um, and then you know, and in the end, you know, you look at it and say, you know, we can uh, ask the question, you know, um, are we is our theology good? And it's not necessarily uh, good or bad. It's 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 a theology in the sense of good. Uh, good theology in the sense of good, true, right, salutary, and and as Peter is talking about it earlier, that is only derived and can only be derived, and I think Peter talks about it later on, as he says that the, that the student or the teacher can only teach according to the capacity of what the Scriptures have given to us. And, and, and I think it's wonderful, because it stops me as a pastor, uh, me as a Christian, from going farther and pontificating upon the things that I might, you know, the eisegesis or the ideas I have about things, and helps me to be able to understand that 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 God has something specifically to say, not just about the world we live in, not just about His church, but He says these things specifically to me, um, and 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 then having a common parlance to be able to speak with one another and say, well, gosh, you know. My goodness, Christ speaks to Pastor Wolfmuller and Pastor Fisk in the same way as he speaks to me. He gives us these things in general, but my goodness, he knows my name, and he has known me from before the creation of this world. And then, and, and it then draws us in even all the more to begin to apprehend just how much and how deeply our Lord loves us. So what you're getting at a little bit there is the gift of Pentecost and the fact that what has been revealed in the Scriptures, what has been spoken by Jesus, has the ability to transcend human language, not by destroying it, but by entering it and redeeming it and making it its own. And that's sort of what Peeper is trying to defend here a little bit, too, and we're gonna, we'll are gonna get to that in a few moments, that the word theology doesn't show up in the Scriptures, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad word. But before we leave, or as we leave, this idea, though, of the 50-cent theological term and the question, you know, do we keep them or do we get rid of them. I do find it interesting that this other list of language here, or other list of terms, psychology, physiology, biology, astrology, all words that are effectively from the same ancient root and the same ancient way of looking at the universe, we have no problem with those words. No one's going to stop teaching biology courses because the kids are too stupid to know what bios means, right? And, and so why would we why would we suddenly do that with this, this queen of the sciences? Feel free to respond to that, or I'm going to throw out this quote from Thomas Aquinas, you gotta love it when the Lutherans pull out Thomas on our side because the guy was a he was a master of many things. And this quote is great. It's, it's in Latin, and I'll try to translate it. Is theologia uh, deo dec, uh, dositur deum dosit et ad deum ducit, and it's, it's got this kind of like pun flavor to it there, right? A little bit of a rhyme. Basically, it's theology. All theology is uh, it teaches of God, is taught by God, and leads to God. And I think he means by that all true theology, right? Not all false theology, but it's taught, it teaches of God, it's taught by God, it leads back to God. And yeah, I think there's great. something really in that that's valuable. There's this, it's the source and the, and the content and the goal of theology. So theology has its source as God, it comes from God, the content is God himself, and the goal is God. So that, so that by the knowledge of God, we in fact are brought to God. Again, I mean, this this is such a clear thing that Jesus says that that this is life that we know uh, that you would know the Father and the Son that He sent, so that the so that the theology doesn't end in itself, but it ends in a life, uh, in in it it ends in the resurrection where we live life 
uh, staring at God face to face. Just phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. The group? And, yeah, and, and understanding, too. I mean, and I think, you know, as Aquinas is, is there is going on with what he's saying there, is that, you know, the understanding that, you know, the theology is not, it's, 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 it's being able to talk, it's talk, talking to God, um, which we would see, you know, in, in, as we speak in the Alleluia's, or we would speak, you know, what he has spoken to us in the Creed, or theology talking for God, which, you, you know, we as pastors get to do in the stead and by the command as we, as we hear confession and as we bestow the very forgiveness of God to people uh, at the very, very beginning of our divine service. And, and then not only that, as it then manifests itself um, in, in our, 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 our new lives, our baptismal lives, um, that theology is talking about God, you know, and, and, and being able to know where he is, what he's doing, how he's active. But then also in, in such situations, you know, my goodness, look at what happened this last week is even the question of, well, where was God when, when these things happened? What is, what is God doing? What interest does God have in, in us down here? And I think the question you had asked before is that, you know, the other sciences that we study, my goodness, you know, you know, the, the study of, of life and biology or psychology, whatever it happens to be, they're, they're, they're the study of things that in reality are not um, threatening. And I say that only because, you know, as we enter into the idea of the study of, of theology, um, the scriptures are clear is that the, the knowledge of God and then the law of God has been written and imprinted on our hearts. We understand that we're studying something that is, uh, if nothing more, just a subject matter that is much grander than we can understand or, 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 or comprehend. Um, and, and, and certainly I think you could enter into it with a great amount of fear, but then at the same time, what it is that the Lord reveals to us in his great benevolence, his love, and his mercy for us, um, turns that on its head, and we begin to see, yes, of course, God is, 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 is wrathful against sin, but at the same time, he is merciful um, to, to, and has shed his blood for us as, as sinners as well. It's, it's a, it's, Wonderful, wonderful. What an interesting thing to pick up there, that that, that list of terminology, psychology, biology, all that, it has a way of being at arm's length from the thing that it's dealing with, or it has a a tendency to sterilize it, right? And so I think, you know, it's one thing to talk about a shark and you know how its bones are it doesn't have bones how it's made of cartilage and how it's made to, to swim you can even talk about how what a powerful predator it is and then there's like being in a shark cage and watching that thing open its mouth and like clamp down around the cage right but this is what you were getting at pastor wolfmuller about head head knowledge and heart knowledge and there's this kind of danger that we somehow think that i can i can get to know god in experience with god apart from his words and and i don't think that's quite what the the distinction's really about and so if i can say this in in another way i don't think i can know any person any human being really ultimately apart from their words. I suppose it's true that an infant without words in my arms, I can kind of get to know that infant through the the miracle of touch, right? Uh, Although still there's going to be noise. There's going to be communication that goes on. And so to think that I can somehow experience God apart from words at all seems kind of strange. And then we have something else we haven't talked about, although I think you touched on it there, uh, Pastor DeGroote, in a different way, that there is the direct experience of God in the in nature that we find, but this is the God of wrath. This is not the God right. of the God of mercy. Right, 
Right, and and, and you know, and, and understanding, you know, the, the 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 one thing that I don't I don't think theology allows for is is for an arm's length understanding, um, because we we have the very the very God Himself who became the Logos, who who inserted Himself into uh, human flesh and 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 is the very Word. Um, he comes to us, um, and so, but then also being able to try to keep him at an arm's distance so that I could have, you know, or take the liberties by my own understanding or whatever it happens to be to do what I want when I want. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's merciful to come to us um, in, at all times to reveal, um, to reveal just how great of a, of a love and a care he has. Um, and then what's the best about it is, and I, I was, I grew up with this, is that, you know, I was told as a young boy is that if my words didn't match my actions, that, you know, that you always trust the words. And I do that with my son all the time. I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll shake my head yes, and I'll say the word no. And I say, well, which one do you believe? And, and, and you know, it's sort, of a, it's sort of a strange thing, because we, in Christianity, we believe the words, but it, we're in a practical sense, we believe the actions, and mm. in the end, it kind of leads us to confusion, and in the, in the end, the final analysis, it is only God that is true to his word, and his actions follow his word, and is the only one who has been truthful and adherent to all of the law, fulfilling it on our behalf, taking our sin to the cross, dying for it, and fulfilling all the prophecies ever. So it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful that in the end, in the final analysis, the only one worthy of any trust in any way, shape, or form is Christ our Lord. Right. His, his words have proven so true that now, even though they look like they're not true, they're more trustworthy than what we see, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. a, a crazy thought. And, and, then, and then again, that this is what we ideally mean when we, as Lutherans or as pastors in the church, use the word theology. We don't mean some sort of sterile discussion about God being dissected under a microscope. We mean the experience of knowing God, both the God of wrath, who is revealed through the decay that we see in this world, which is his curse upon our submission to sin, to death, and to the power of the devil. We experience God through that, and then by means of these words that are so counter to everything that we feel and see otherwise, these words that strike us with what what grace is and with the miracle of the sign of Jonah just undoing creation itself, setting creation on its head, that this has its own spiritual experience of enlivening the heart or regenerating us by the power of the words themselves, which is its own kind of mystery. And yet this is not without, then, an actual head knowledge in that we I, I just danced around it so much it's the head and the heart are both part of the human experience and, and you can't have one without the other that's right and 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 what you guys were pushing on before i think is so important is that um the the knowledge of god in the head and the heart is not something self-generated but something given by god so mm-hmm. we, you know we talked about the words of god and the acts of god but but maybe to make the simple point is that if God is not acting or speaking, then our theology becomes a matter of philosophy and speculation. But right. because God speaks and because God acts, now we have something to consider, uh, something to think about, and also something to believe and trust in. Right. And I think real quickly on that, you know... Hold on, let me grab you on the other side of the break, Tegrude. I just hit the music. We'll be right back. Cross defense.
Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. I'm Kip Allen, free to be faithful moderator. Words have power. Words educate, inform, and entertain. Words can shape our vision of the world. They can also be used to distort truth. Words can be weapons. I discuss how words are increasingly being used against people of faith with LCMS Director of Editorial Services and Media Relations, Roger Drennan. Listen 2.30 Wednesday and again 9.30 a.m. Saturday on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. No other book in history has had such an influence on the world as the Bible. And yet, there was a realization in the Catholic Church that young people were unfamiliar with their doctrine and the Bible. To address the concern, an edition of the Bible was designed as part of the widely popular UCAT series for youth and young adults. A unique collaboration of 52 young adults, church-affiliated, unchurched, Catholic, and Protestant, served as an advisory team to the authors to help young people follow the story of the Bible. Including introductions to the books of the Bible, easy-to-understand commentaries from top Bible teachers, photos, illustrations, sidebar quotes, and a preface from Pope Francis who wrote, You are holding something divine in your hands, a book that is like a fire, a book through which God speaks. Engage with the Bible in its impact and influence throughout the world. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Listen to Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO, breaking down the stronghold bad opinions of the enemy and setting up shop at the mighty fortress of our Lord's Word, talking about the meaning of the word theology and whether or not it's useful and the fact that we really need what it is, whether or not we like the word or not. Pastor DeGroote, you were about to say something right there at the end of the break. Well, I, I appreciated what Pastor Wolfmuller was talking about and, you know, and, and being able to, you know, I think, put a cap on you know that the fact that there really is no distinction between the, the head knowledge and the heart knowledge, and you know, as you're looking at you know, Ephesians, really comes to mind as Paul's writing, of course, from prison to the, the Ephesian congregation or the churches in Ephesus. You know, um, he's, he's he's talking about it, and he's saying in one nine, he's saying, having known um, to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, but then he's he's talking about it and saying he has made known to us the mysteries of his will, and he's and these things are clear to us in the fullness of time, and I think. You know, as I was listening to Pastor Bobby, and, and uh, I can't remember who was on last week, is that they articulated that is to say, these things can be known. Um, the truth exists. The truth can be known. The truth is for us. And these things are known and are given to us here in the fullness of time. And then he articulates um, how it is that, that God the Father is, is gifting us with, with three major gifts, and as Jesus gifts us with five as, as we look through Ephesians, but then also within the, Holy, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, that are listed there, and, and ultimately we're, we're, we're led to the understanding that these gifts are given to us within the Christian, Holy Christian and Apostolic Church. And that's, that's uh, it was, uh, thank you very much for, for that reminder. And you mentioned, you know, Scripture there, and that's kind of what this next larger paragraph on page 42 focuses in on, is how whether or not the word theology 
shows up in Scripture. That doesn't mean it's not a word that is technically from the Scripture. So he says, as to the usage of the term theology, theology is in quotes, we note that it does not occur in Holy Writ. That is, the word theologos isn't a word from the Bible specifically. Our old theologians, and he doesn't, he's not being pejorative there, you know, the, the faithful Christians of the past say, the theology is a word not agraphos, but agraphos, however, it is not antigraphos. So I, I think I'm getting this right. It is, theology as a word is not quoted in Scripture, but it is in sync with, or it's of what Scripture speaks. It is not against the Scriptures to speak of knowing God. Right. It's not written, but not written, but it's not against the writing. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Uh, and it's well said. You know, we have to, you have to do, I mean, when you're being careful about this, this is the kind of thing you have to do. We we get this critique, you know, um, incarnation is not in the scripture. Trinity is not in the scripture. Okay, but that's true. It's not in the scripture, but neither is it against the scripture. In fact, it's an articulation uh, of the scripture. And so with this word theology, it's not against the scripture. It's, uh, it's something that we can say carefully and use for good. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you there. This is what I was getting at with that whole gift of Pentecost thing, right? And I I say this, I think, pretty regularly as I start this very show. We believe that when God speaks, he does so that we can speak it back. That the the miracle of undoing Babel itself is now God, in his revealed and errant word, has given us language which breaks down our our, our native ability to commute con, to confuse each other, right? So we have a we have an intuitive or a built-in ability to miscommunicate, and Pentecost is God saying in words from and about Jesus, I can actually communicate, right? Communion even uh, with you and we bring you back to being with each other, which is it's a miracle. It's a miracle in and of itself. Well, and it's 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 familial language in a, in a sense that you know. Because we have an advocate with the Father, because Christ is the propitiation, um, we can now access, as we see, you know, that God is our loving Father, that we can call upon Him as our, as our Father. These words, you know, as Pastor Wolf and were talking about Trinity, or even the word that Paul uses in Ephesians, the word mystery, uh, sacramentum, is actually used. We're not seeing the sacraments ever mentioned, but we are seeing that these things are revealed through these things, and it gives us an understanding that the the fifty cent words we talked about long ago are are, are really the language of a family. That, that these are the ways that we that we talk as we're gathered around, you know, not just the dinner table, uh, in 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 the, you know the familial house setting, but as we're gathered around the dinner table at the Lord's supper, um, as we're gathered around uh, in the church, being able to speak these things in unison and understand what they mean. That's really great. I think of, you know, there are certain jokes in my family with my kids. One of the most important things I'm trying to teach my kids is humor, because I didn't have any growing up, so I try to try, I try to insist that they learn how to laugh. But, like, over time, some of these jokes take on a life of their own, and they become what you would call an inside joke. But all it takes is for one of my kids to have a well-timed statement, like, on the highway, or that's why we're all going to die. And suddenly, all five of us are laughing at it, because it's got meaning to us. It's part of our family's language now, and that's what you're getting at. I think there, uh, Pastor okay. DeGroote. Now, what's what's really interesting in the remainder of this paragraph here is that we are taking this word and making it part of our language, even though it is technically not part of our language, but we actually got it from the pagans. So he says, note further that the terms theology and theologian did not originate with Christians. 
Even the heathen employ these terms. The fact need not surprise us. Knowing that there is a God, the heathen would naturally devote earnest study to the subject. In their way, they studied theology. That is, they tried to know. They groped for God, right, as I think Paul says at one place. And so they employed the very term. And he quotes again Kalev, who says, We see that the term theology was first used by the heathen and then adopted by the church. And there's a footnote as well where it shows how Aristotle has used the word uh, theology in the past. Cicero says, in the beginning there were three Joves, so say those who are called theologians, right? He's, Cicero's a, a Latin pagan philosopher. And then Augustine quotes, I don't know who this guy is, Varro, a contemporary of Cicero, on the three types of heathen theology, the mythical, the physical, and the civil. Well, we don't have to really dig into all of that necessarily, but it is kind of interesting. Christianity has a habit of doing this. Uh, John does it with the word logos, with the word word itself, which was a big Gnostic kind of uh, a mystery religion word. He just says, no, that's our word. We're taking that word. We're, we're taking it, we're giving it the right definition, and now we're going to use it. And it sticks more than, say, even Gnosticism or pagan theology has stuck. Yeah, this is the yeah. New Testament. I mean, the the language of the New Testament is a pagan language, a common language, and yet uh, the Holy Spirit is pleased to use it to speak, and uh, th- that's fine. You know, there's always these dangers. You, you, every time that um, uh, the, uh, the confession of the Church has to move from one language to another, there's this great hesitancy because we think we're going to lose it. I mean, there was this, the, the Catholic Church refused to do it. Once they got stuck in Latin, they didn't want to move from there. Uh, and the Reformation had to say, no, no, we can speak rightly about God also in German. Uh, the, our own history is this hesitancy to move from German into English because we're going to lose so much. And they were probably right. I mean, we have lost so much. But, but still, the, it can, the Lord can handle the language that um, uh, any human language he can put his truth into. He, he, is, he is not uh, unused to doing that very thing. So it's right to to see that that happens with this word is not a surprise because it happens with whole languages. Well, in the final paragraph here before, you know, kind of where we're going to end today, you see that Peeper himself is sort of saying, look, we really don't need to argue about the meaning of words. And if that's what we're going to do, we're wasting our time. We're going to, we, want to, we want to be knowing what the scriptures really teach, but it's not about, per se, defining the words themselves for their own sake. Uh, within the Christian church, the word theology and its cognate theologian are not always used in the same sense. That's exactly what we've been talking about for an hour here. Uh, since these terms are not found in scripture, there should be no strife about words. What matters is that the words used should not express any unscriptural ideas. The matter denoted by these words must be contained in Scripture, and in and that is the case when the church takes theology to mean, and now he's going to define what we should mean when we use the term theology. I'm going to read these four little bits, and you guys can each have a chance to, to jump on these. We'll look at these more in depth next week. So the theology should mean these four things, and really it's not just one of them, it's all of them. The special measure of the knowledge of God and divine doctrine which a public minister in the congregation should possess. So the knowledge a pastor ought to have. Second, the knowledge of God and the divine doctrine which is required of those who train future public teachers. So anyone who's going to teach a pastor to be a pastor should also have this. Third, the knowledge of God and the divine doctrine possessed by all Christians. Right. So it also does refer to what all Christians should and or do know. 
Fourth, the knowledge and doctrine of certain parts of the Christian religion, namely, in particular, right, the deity of Christ and respectively uh, of the Trinity. So you can get kind of narrow with it. It can refer to everything that Christians believe or the faith, right, that fetus quai that Pastor Wolfmuller meant earlier. Or it can get even more narrow with these particular pieces that only a pastor needs to to study and know so that he can feed the entire faith. Um, we got about three, four, five minutes here, guys, to just kind of bat that around. Uh, closing thoughts or, or where should we go with this last little section here? Well, I, I look at it and I, and I think, you know, too, is that, you know, not knowing, you know, specifically what was happening, you know, as, as, as Peeper's writing, you know, certainly understanding a little bit of the time, um, you know, not having to quibble over words, but then also understanding that there is a dialectical discussion that has to be had. In other words, you know, we need to agree on the terms that we're talking about mm. and in, in the context that we're, that we're living in. And, and I think, you know, one, two, three, and four, the points you had mentioned are talking about it, you know, as we talk about it as Christians. What does it look like as we talk about these things as a Christian? But then, you know, from my perspective as a missionary is that Okay, well, then how do I then have these discussions with individuals who have maybe even never heard these terms? How then do we even begin the dialectical discussion about about the grounding of these words? And then, you know, understanding that, 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 that the knowledge is not necessary for faith, but the word is necessary, and being able to come to the end where we have words that, that can be spoken. Um, and in, in the world in which we live in, where there's, uh, you know, no agreement seemingly at this point uh, on the dialectical terms of things, it's, it's ex- exceedingly difficult. You bring up a really interesting point there, and, and I'd like to hear you jump on it again, and then and then Wolfmiller can jump in. But so, as a missionary, or, or speaking with someone who's not a Christian, it's not particularly important that you start off by saying, look, I've got to give you some theology. Let me tell you about this word. It means knowledge of God, and, and so you have to have the right kind of this knowledge of God. Like, the word itself isn't very important, but right. everything that you're doing is effectively that at the same time. And so the substance of the word is the only thing you're going to talk about. Right. And I think it goes back to how we began the conversation, is that, you know, you can, you can, you can speak the definition and then utilize the the fifty cent word to be able to articulate what it is that you've just spent um, thirty seconds explaining. It, it it helps people and brings people to speed and brings that familiar familial language, that familiar language, that in the end creates this 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 not understanding but apprehension of 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 something that is so great and beyond our understanding, but brings it into that that wheelhouse of being able to both. Um, meditate upon, uh, uh, think upon, and enjoy the, the very gifts of God as He reveals them to us in His Word and, and in His Church. Pastor Wolfmiller, that's a, that is a good place to end. I, my kind of is working backwards, but but maybe to make this point of these three or four definitions of theology, do we understand in some way the idea of a professional theologian, you know, a seminary professor, something like that? But but Peter says no. Every pastor is a theologian. That's good for us pastors to remember. But then he goes on and says, but more than this, every Christian is also a theologian. Mm. And we need to remember that. Every Christian is not only uh, the object of God's love and uh, and his mercy, but also the object of God's speaking. He speaks of us and he speaks to us. And as he speaks to us, he tells us who we are and he tells us who he is for us. And so we we can't... um, uh, you know, we can't go and say and and leave the 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 thinking of the words of God to the professionals. Uh, right. This is the inheritance of every single Christian in the church. 
That's Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. He is pastor at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and also author of the recent book from Concordia Publishing House, uh, Has American Christianity Failed? And you've also been listening to Pastor Adam DeGroot. He is LCMS domestic missionary. Can I ask you, Pastor DeGroot, do we know where we're going to be heading next yet, or is that is yes. that still uh, okay? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, uh, June 11th, accepted a call to serve uh, St. Andrew Lutheran Church, uh, actually Lutheran Church plant in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I'm in the fundraising uh, aspect of that at this point, and uh, Lord willing, as soon as the funding is uh, is obtained, will be deployed down there. That, that's uh, great news to hear. It's, it's a far cry from Philadelphia, I gotta say. Uh, you're going uh, from the the northeast and the chilly secularism down to the I don't know what's in in Albuquerque, honestly. Right, <laughs> great. That's hometown for me. You'll love it down there. It's it'll be. Uh, I'm excited for you to do the work because it's a booming area, and they need uh, the gospel out there where you're headed. It'll be fantastic. Amen yeah, to that. Did. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, a lot less snow shoveling. That's all I got to say. Yes, the truth. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen, very much for being on Cross Defense this week. My pleasure. You got it. So there, there are two things I would like you to try to keep in mind as we make our way out here. One is that pastors need to study the Word of God, and a pastor who says, I'm no theologian, isn't a pastor. He's, he's, he's making a, an error in, in saying that. He knows something about God. The question is, is it true or false? And if he's going to tell you something next, he ought to at least want to believe it's true, right? And so he is, of course, a theologian. All Christians in this way are knowers of God insofar as they've been baptized into Christ, insofar as they commune with him. They are of one fellowship, one state with him according to the supper, and insofar as the word of absolution is regularly preached to them. And with this, then, there is not only this true knowledge of God, this true theology, there is such a thing as a false theology, as those who claim to be knowers of God or of the gods, but who bring with them not the truth, but a lie, not light, but darkness. And in this sense, all people are theologians. The only question is, if you're going to know God, which God do you know? And Christianity is about knowing the true God, but even better than that, the God who has redeemed us by his grace. The God who, in fact, died on the cross, that you might know him, certainly not to be against you, but for you. You're listening to Cross Defense on Worldwide KFU. I'm Pastor Jonathan Fisk. This is where old school theologians never stop rocking on. We'll see you next week.